closed um, uh, down the street about um, two minutes to one. And by this time, there was a huge crowd of people and hundreds of cameras and television cameras. And I got into the car, went back to the office, and had the ministerial lunch. Mr. Wilson, what led you to decide that two more years was enough? In fact, the last two years have been more exciting and more productive than my previous uh, five and three-quarter years. And, of course, we have now got, as I said, a very talented cabinet. I thought that because I could leave it all to them, I'd have more time off. On the contrary, I've had less time off. That r r Labrador of mine, who is still a uh, Labrador retriever, which is still uh, in cartoons, poor devil has only had about three walks down to the pub, which he, where he likes going, on Saturdays or Sundays this year. It is a very, very full-time job. It's a sad moment in many ways, but you do feel a certain relief at the burden falling off your shoulder, as I say, a seven-day-a-week burden, particularly if you're confident that your successor will pick up that burden and carry out his duties in a fresh and interesting way. While Harold was giving his press conference, I was back at the Department of Energy having the regular sandwich lunch with ministers, and we discussed why he'd gone, who would succeed him, what would happen, and then, of course, on to the House of Commons, where he had Prime Minister's questions. And I went into the chamber, and I sat on the front bench, and Harold came in at 3.15, and for a quarter of an hour, it all recorded and answered a very charming opportunity to pay tribute to him. Margaret Thatcher wished him well and said let's have an election <coughs> and um, I came out of the house and I went out to my room for a bit. I rang mother who hadn't heard the news and Barbara Castle followed by Ted a few minutes later came in and Barbara had come in to say how we must get a, a stop gym movement going. Typical defeatist view how she thought Dennis was really very good but she began by saying oh, Wedgie we all agree the future is yours. Well that's no answer to anything is what does the party do now to avoid a, um, a collapse? That's the important look, a national collapse. Finally, the main news tonight is that Mr Wilson is to resign as Prime Minister as soon as a successor can be found. Labour MPs will vote for a new leader next week with Mr Callaghan, the clear favourite. I'll be back with a new summary at 20 past 11. If you won't be with me then... The following Monday, the Cabinet had a farewell dinner for Harold. This was before successor had been elected. And uh, Jim Callaghan was there, Ted Short was there, Michael Foote was there, Dennis Healy was there. We were all there. And I got permission to put my tape recorder on the table and record the speeches. And I took photographs as well. And it was uh, the Labour Party, at its best, a side that nobody really realises that you can argue and fight and dispute, but... There are moments when it's a family and the atmosphere is very friendly and it certainly was that night. And I took with me the obituary that I had recorded um, for the BBC just after Harold had become Prime Minister because I thought it would be amusing for him to see uh, what I'd said about him when he was first elected as Prime Minister. I went over to number 10 and when I got there I found I was ahead of the Prime Minister in the drawing room upstairs and there was a tremendous gathering of people in the uh, state drawing room next door uh, ready to take a cabinet picture television and photographers and heaven knows what all the photographs were taken and we went into dinner in the state banqueting room now harold had specially organized the dinner 
so that we would all be sitting in our usual cabinet places. We had um, candelabra on the table and uh, a marvellous dinner. Um, uh, during the uh, second course, the poached salmon, the hollandaise sauce slipped off the tray and the thing dropped onto Dennis's plate and spattered him with hollandaise sauce. And Dennis, in a very jolly mood, laughed as heartily and loudly as he could. And I had my camera and I took a few pictures during dinner, not very many, but uh, a few with my tiny little Kodak, which were rather fun. And um, I talked to Michael and he's very friendly. He said, why did Harold uh, dislike you so much? What's the reason for it? So I don't know. But I said I was quite close to him once. Anyway, we had our meal. At the end of the meal, Ted Short got up and he made a very boring, sort of laborious headmaster's speech followed by Harold, who was even more boring, really, uh, but thanking everybody and describing uh, how he'd avoided giving an indication of uh, who he would vote for and how he knew how every member of the parliamentary party would vote. Once again, thank you for being wonderful company in an exciting time. And then... As Harold sat down, Michael said, uh, Harold, he called across the table, Tony wrote an obituary of you 20 years ago. I think you ought to hear it. Harold, you haven't heard that you haven't, there's an obituary you haven't heard, which is the one that Tony wrote of you 20 years ago, or 15 years ago, and I think you should hear it. Is it a bit of his time? No, it was ahead of his time. Well, I made the foolish mistake of uh, telling Michael, although, of course, I had brought it with me. Uh, but uh, hearing what you said tonight about uh, nobody is popular till they're dead sent me to my filing system because I remembered that on the 22nd of February, 1965, I had a letter from the BBC. Dear Mr. Ben, I am compiling material for a 30-minute biographical program on Mr. Harold Wilson to be held in readiness for home service transmission in the event of Mr. Wilson's death. <laughs> I hesitate to think what would have happened if the phone call had gone through to say the Secretary of State for Energy wishes to record an obituary to the Prime Minister. <laughs> I can't imagine, but it was in the good old days when, when we didn't have to ask. Well, I replied with characteristic caution to say I, I will think about it a little bit more, if I may, and when I've got something ready in my mind, I'll get in touch with you. Well, on the 17th of March, the broadcast was recorded, and I've got the text. And it's a most remarkable thing, because to get hold of your own picture is almost unheard of. And I won't embarrass you by reading what I said, except to say that I wouldn't change a word of it. And it was very nice. But uh, I thought, uh, Harold, that it would be a nice thing for you to have the complete set and the only answer I'll read is when they said, in the last question, Kenneth Harris, now, Mr. Ben, you've said a great deal in praise of Harold Wilson. What are his shortcomings? And my reply was, well, he was never a backbencher. And now you've put that right, too. And uh, I must say that this we shall be electing a senior politician, and in a few years' time, he'll be looking for a younger man. And I only hope that when you stand again, you don't split the left-wing vote. <laughs> Everybody was there, really.
Actually, I had a brief word with Jim. Oh, yes, Jim said, uh, all cheerful, and he laughed. Well, he said, I've given up ambition years ago, but when the uh, opportunity comes to be leader of the party, your heart is bound to quicken. And he said, I'm really fighting to win. Why, well, I said, I know that, of course. And he was very friendly. Of course, he wants my vote, like Michael Foote, who was friendly at dinner. And, uh, but even so, I could get on very well with Jim Callahan. There's no doubt about that. Although he's a tough politician, uh, wouldn't let you get away with much, probably less than Harold would let you get away with. Uh, then I got sucked into talking to Marcia. I was absolutely lost. You can't understand it. Well, then I got talking to Harold. And I said, by the way, Harold, I tell you who knew your secret before anyone else. He said, who? Because he'd been boasting about how it was a well-kept secret. I said, the government car service. He said, what do you mean? Well, I said, as far as I remember, last year when Ted Heath gave up the leadership of the Tory party, you made a ruling that all ex-prime ministers were to have cars. And I said, uh, jokingly, I gather you foisted a car onto Sir Alec Douglas Hume, who didn't want one, and Lord Avon, Sir Anthony Eden, who didn't want one. And I said, the word went round the government car service. Why has Harold, why has the Prime Minister done this? It's because he's going to retire. Well, Harold began looking very sick. Oh, not at all. It's because of security. And Marcia was just giggling and smirking all over her face. And when I drifted away, because I don't think Harold liked it. It was quite obvious he didn't like it. Um, Marcia said to me, you are a naughty man. Of course that's right. So, I, so Ron Vaughan, my driver, who told me that was absolutely bang on. And I told him when I got out of number 10, the story. Then I came home and I played the recording of the speech to Carol and Josh and came downstairs and started un sorting out and unpacking all my papers and doing my diary. And it's now half past three in the morning. I'm ludicrously late. But it's so exciting and I'm really enjoying it. I love elections. I just love them. Whatever happens, you get worried and so